Hey, what's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Drantz. You can also read his work at The Athletic covering the team. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Drancer, I have a confession to make. I feel like I've built a prison for myself with the What's Up intro. Because now I feel like I have to say it every time or else I'm capitulating to you. But I don't necessarily want I want to mix it up sometimes. I don't know. I'm in a tough spot. I think consistency is a good thing. I think you should start it with the What's Up, and I think you got to bring the energy. See, now you're telling me to do it. Now I'm like, well, now I don't want to do it. Well, now I'm trying to free you. Like, I don't know. you got to decide what you want here. <laughs> I'm not, like, truly, this is not a rock, paper, scissors thing where I'm, like, going rock three times in a row to try and get you to go to paper. Yeah. So that I can go to scissors and get the extra Tootsie Roll. Like, well, that's not the game. We'll see We'll see what tomorrow brings. I know. Would we'll we really see how play I feel rock, tomorrow paper, tomorrow scissors for a Tootsie Roll? <laughs> I can see that. I'm yeah. sure it's happened before. Sounds about right. For the extra Tootsie Roll. <laughs> what else are you going to do rock, paper, scissors for? Yeah. Um, all right. As mentioned, I just had to get a, get that off my chest. I don't think that was my most hearty what's up uh, to start the show. Yeah, disappointing. Just, stuff. I've got that. You know what I have? I have those pre All Star break uh, or that pre All Star break on Wii, just like the Canucks. I think do this week. Uh, we'll get. We'll and, talk about and that. Understandably. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that more in the whiteboard. We'll talk about how the second. season is too long. <laughs> uh, Manny Viveros, uh, Vancouver Giants head coach, will join us at 1230. Always look forward to chatting uh, with Manny from the Giants. So we'll do that at 1230. Sean Gentilly, our guy from The Athletic, joins us at 1. Lots to get into. We will start, as always, with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? Uh, it is your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January 25th. People are, somebody texted in, stick to your structure, Jamie. That's a good, it's a good point. Got to stick to my staples. Especially, Can't get away from my staples. Especially, you know, in the, in the waning days before the All-Star That's right. break. That's when it's most important. Fatigue sets in. So hard true. to stay focused. You're trying to build hype for Saturday's big game against the Blue Jackets. Yeah, yeah. Can they get revenge for that overtime loss against oh the Blue God. Jackets? Oh my God. If anyone, Whoa. if any. <laughs> <laughs> that is you know what athletes will find anything to motivate themselves uh-huh. so i'm not truly gonna laugh about it but let's not pretend that those are actual like there's this no. is not a revenge game no it's uh let's get to the all-star break yeah. it's that kind of game honestly okay so by the one way, two three the, can yes the canucks lost four three in overtime to the blues i actually have a lot of sympathy for the spot the canucks find themselves in because this is how i feel every year the week before christmas Oh, yeah. And, like, I love my job. I like doing the show. But I'm still like, oh, man, I love Christmas. I love the break. I'm so excited for it. And that last week, I'm like, oh, come on. Let's get to it. <laughs> Let's get to Christmas. That's where the Canucks are right now. Two things. One is, it's funny because they looked like Christmas ornaments wearing those silly metallic helmets. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's not do that again. I know the team says they're going to wear it again, right? One more, yeah, one it more game? Did not, it did not work. We don't need it. it was, I found it actively distracting. I, I know I said on the show this week, like, I have a very narrow band of how much I care one way or another about hockey fashion choices. That's one of the only ones I can remember where it was like, it's distracting me. I don't like it's it. it's so bright and glaring. It would be fine with a white jersey 
Probably. I just don't I don't like it with the blue. Now, so the team looked like Christmas ornaments out on the ice, which is a nice tie-in with your segue. <laughs> and at least they were bluer than the blues. So kudos. Yeah, they accomplished that important goal. They didn't get the two points, but they were bluer than the team named for the, well, for the genre of music, but I'm going to pretend it's yep. the color. There you go. There you go. The bluest team. At least they didn't get blued out, blown out. Sure. Yep. Yeah, I blown out. I messed up my tenses. Uh, Let's and move you know, on. look, you can um, <laughs> you can find some positives, certainly, to take away from that game for the Canucks. They're down 2 nothing, then down 3-1, come back in the third period. Yeah. Dominated play in the third period, generated they a lot of chances. They have points in 10 consecutive games. Exactly. The point streak stays alive. Now, I know, obviously, a lot of the conversation focuses on uh, the non-call on Elias Pettersson in overtime that leads to the Braden, uh, Braden Shen winner. I agree. It should have been a call. Did PD go down a little easily? Yeah, probably. Ah, uh, man. But uh, it we, still we, should have been a call. We are we are so out to lunch in discussing these things. Like, the reason it should have been a call, in my mind, is simply because... In, within that game, I thought the Canucks got power plays out of two pretty soft cross-checks mm. that were assessed against the Blues. Uh, the first was obviously the Jake Neighbors one that eliminated uh, what, what, what would have been a 3 nothing goal for the Blues. And the other was after Mikheyev slashed Jake Hoff. Hoff. How do you say his name? Hoffer? Hoffer. After they slash Jake, uh, after McKay slash Jake Hoffer, Joel Krug, Hoffer too. I believe. Joel Hoffer, yeah. excuse me. Um, Jake Neighbors, Joel Hoffer. Um, Krug gave him a shot and was assessed the penalty. So having called two soft cross checks, the the referees declined to call a third, very similar one. Um, honestly, it was harder. Fr- frankly, like that was the most penalty worthy of the mm-hmm. three, and yet you know I th- I think if you were a, a Blues fan watching. And you were like, man, that is ridiculous. All three of those were bad penalties. I would be more inclined to agree with you than anyone saying the Canucks lost that game because of that non-call. You know? Contact down low for me is very much like holding in football. You can basically assess it on almost every sequence if you want to. So it's pretty discretionary when it does get called. Clearly, it's been a point of emphasis, especially over the last week. We've seen a ton of these cross-checks be assessed. You know, all I care about is having an internal standard within the game. There wasn't really one, and and that would be my only issue with it. I, You know, I think it's not some gross miscarriage of justice, and people really, I think, lose the plot when they say stuff like that costs the Canucks the win. You know, the Canucks lost that game because they were pretty widely outplayed by the Blues for 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then they lost the opportunity to secure an extra point in part because of that. Uh, Distinct concepts. I just think it's not worth... Getting worked up over. Yeah, and the big thing for me is it's that, a bounce. Like know, it's it's a qu- akin to a bounce. The two talking points from that play specifically, right? One is the non-call, which I agree should have been a call, as you're saying as well. Even though it's not like the turning point of the. I mean, it is well, the turning it, point of the game. But you know just, what I mean? We can we not talk about it like a yeah, gross miscarriage but, of justice? Yes, but the other thing is you know a sense of dissatisfaction with Elias Pettersson, and you know I think it's notable that Rick Tockett had some I would say fairly mild criticism. For Elias Pettersson, right? Not exactly blistering. I wouldn't after say the game it was mild. Well. Okay, I but think, I don't think, I think it was. No, I, I I see what you're saying. I think the, I think it was frank. Yeah, it was honest. Yeah, but I it think, wasn't. I think it was frank. I don't think it was mild though. I mean, 
the I haven't liked his game the last three or four. Um, he's got to skate. He's good with the moves, but you have to have speed. That's when he's at his best, which he hasn't been the last three or four games. Like that's that's not mild to me. That's not you know it's not severe though. It's not harsh. No, it's it, frank. Yeah. It's just it's just matter of fact. Like you know, I don't think I don't think yeah. I don't think it's a big deal one way or the other. Yeah. I want to be clear here. So I get why you're why you're framing it that way, but I don't think it was it wasn't he was fine. I think it's very much in line with what we consistently hear about Rick yes. Tockett. And probably the only time it's and ever what gone we consistently see. The only time it's ever gone beyond that with Tockett would probably be the I'm tired of answering questions about Koozie remark, right? Where it's like peaked beyond just kind of frank honest criticism and some frustration has uh, has started to peak out. But the reason I'm not worried about it is because we've seen this with Rick Tockett. And, you know, we just heard last week when Jim Rutherford was doing the media rounds after his extension and talking about Rick Tockett and the job he's done and Rutherford explicitly saying, right, I really like that he holds everyone in the organization accountable or everyone on the team accountable from the best players uh, to the bottom guys on the roster. And, you know, we've already seen that with JT Miller this year uh, in instances. And, that's part of the process. He's going to hold everyone account- accountable. He's been empowered by the organization to do that. If he's doing it to Patterson, I have no issue whatsoever. I don't think it says anything more than just Rick Tockett, again, giving an honest assessment about one of his star players. He also benched Zadorov. Yeah. He, and again, that he, falls we, into the same bucket for me. We saw JT Miller get benched. We've yep. seen, like, yeah, I think you're right to differentiate the, the, the Kuzmenko thing, where it feels like genuinely the players struggled to, to earn his trust. Mm-hmm. From what happened last night, it's like it's not as if Pedersen's not going to be out there in high leverage situations as a result of the fact that he's been, you know, not at his best. And, you know, whether he's been at his best or not, last night he was off in a different way than he has been for the past week. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the 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 play on the three one, the Torpchenko goal. Right. Which is the play that got Zadorov benched yep. for a coverage error in front, you know, we do not see Pedersen get dunked on by a, by a, by a center he's matching up with the way that he did by Kevin Hayes with any sort of regularity. Now you play in the NHL, it's going to happen, right? Like you're going to mm-hmm, have a moment mm-hmm. like that. But man, that is a that's that for me is the play where you know that Pedersen's not quite firing on yeah. all cylinders. And the other thing I wanted to say about this, and I saw uh, some of the this in the wild on social media in the Dunbar Lumber text line, also from an unnamed producer in our uh, in our Canucks Talk group chat. Unnamed producer other than Lena, so that narrows it down a little bit. Um, he had thirty two thoughts. On, <laughs> he had thirty two uh, thoughts. This idea that like Pedersen taking that hit the non-call from Shen in front of the net is indicative of, you know, Patterson not being strong enough. He's not he's not willing to play inside. Oh, it's going to be an issue in the playoffs. He falls down too much. Is he going to be able to handle when the intensity ramps up? Come on. Like, first of all, this was three-on-three overtime in the middle of January, right before the All-Star game. It has no bearing whatsoever on the playoffs. But the other thing is, we actually don't have to guess about how Elias Pettersson is going to play in the playoffs because he's been there before. Yes, it was the bubble. If you want to put an asterisk, that's fine. But he had 18 points in 17 games. And I don't think, bubble or not, I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights were a pushover in that playoff series, and he still performed really well. So I don't buy this for a second, this idea that, like, ah, he's not built for the playoffs. He's not going to be able to get it done when the intensity turns up. He's like, he was probably 15 or 20 pounds lighter, five years younger, and he was swinging games at the net front. No, this is a this is a tough dude. He'll be fine. 
he will be absolutely fine uh, in the playoffs. Again, we've already seen it. I know it was a long time ago. It was a weird circumstance and all that, but we well, actually don't have to play the guessing game on it. You know it. what? I kind of think that this game is a good maturity test. Not for the Canucks, because the Canucks passed it, right? Like, but they for, weren't for all of us. Yeah. They weren't great by any means. Don't get me wrong. This wasn't their best performance. But you, you'd say, like, given the stakes, given how close we are to the All-Star break, they showed up and put in a professional effort, and especially the pushback in the third mm-hmm. period and the first 10 minutes were, like, excellent. You know, I, I thought, anyway, they passed that test. Can we? That's the question, because there's a lot of red meat that you can take from that game. Zadorov got benched. Patterson got, you know, frankly called out by his mm-hmm. head coach. Um, the Canucks lost in overtime of rare home loss. I think there's very little of meaning to take from that result. Like, I just do. I think this team extended a 10-game point streak. Like, yep. is this is what qualifies as an off day right now? So, you know, even the Blues, like, I thought the Blues, who've now beaten the Canucks twice in the, in the month, mm-hmm. right? And sort of the only hockey takeaway that I'd, I'd bring out from that game in any in, – of any consequence, like something that I'm even going to be interested to see and watch for is, you know, the blues are a rush heavy team, right? They are dangerous off the rush and they have size. And to me, that profiles just a little bit like a Philadelphia Flyers team that we've also seen hand the Canucks, one of their three losses in regulation since the start of December. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is the timeline. I am curious to see, like, if teams can beat the Canucks forecheck and if they have enough size and enough finishing ability to attack off the rush, you know, is that the profile of a team that can be a tough matchup mm. for this group? That That's now, like, something that I'm just interested in seeing as we go forward. The good news for the Canucks is there aren't a lot of teams that profile that way in the West, frankly. Like, a lot of those teams, like Detroit coming out of the All-Star break, that's a team that profiles that way. I'm now more interested in seeing that Red Wings game than I was at, before seeing that St. Louis game because I'm curious to see what it looks like. I'm curious to see if this is an actual thing or or nothing at all. Um, but, you know, short of the Avs and the Jets, you know, I, th- there's, most of the teams out West are possession-based teams, mm-hmm. teams that want to, you know, Possess the puck in the offensive zone and generate off that. The Oilers are like that. The Kings are certainly like that. The Vegas, for Ve- sure. Vegas, yeah, Dallas. Is a, Vegas is actually kind of the most of those Pacific Division teams. Dallas, for sure, is a possession team. Yeah. But but Vegas can attack you in every which way. So that sort of makes them an interesting one to monitor here. Point being, I just think the only real takeaway that we should have from that game is Canucks played pretty well. And it would have been understandable if they hadn't. Mm. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and they've got another chance. Let's pass the maturity. They've test. got another chance before the All Star break to do that again, right? Put turn in another professional effort. Make sure you get a point. Manage it. Don't blow it against the Blue Jackets. And don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. That's like, right. Like th- that's it. That's every at, at this point when you, you know there's going to be some games that really matter on the other side of the All Star break. Yeah, four against the Kings, th- two against the Avs, three, three against, against the, the Jets. Jets. Yeah. Like, two against Vegas, one against Edmonton. Like, we're about to enter a gauntlet stretch in which this Vancouver Canucks team is going to play some of the most exciting high-stakes hockey that fans have been able to attend in 12 years. 
Okay? That awaits us in t- two weeks. Yes. We just have to push through. Just we just have, have to push through this part. But right now, Saturday night against Columbus, <laughs> don't get hurt. And it's a win. Uh, okay, just one last headline before we move on to the broadsheet. Pew Suter with a hat trick. Shout out to Pew Suter. What a phenomenal signing. Two years at that cap hit. Can play literally everywhere. He's on the first power play right now. Third period hat trick to help the team earn a point in that one. I just wanted to give the shout out to Pew Suter for that game. Who, by the way, was like, was would you say that he was like the patron saint of this show? Of your guys? It, well, yeah. in the spr- I'm, in I'm the not even going to take like, that much credit for it. Like, you were on Pew Suter more than me, for sure. Well, when they signed him ha- in August. You have to be a true sicko yes. to be as on When Pew they Suter. signed, that's like the most excited I've ever heard you. I think you called you did the Halbert and Bruff hit after they signed Pew Suter and you were like giddy, legitimately giddy about the signing. He's good. Like he's just <laughs> you know, what I like about guys like Pew Suter is if he's your fourth line center, you're like, hey, that's a good fourth line. Mm-hmm. When he was centering Garland and Dakota Joshua, it was it every worked. bit it was yep. every bit as good from an underlying perspective. They weren't getting the bounces as it as it has been with Bluger there. Um put him on the wing with JT Miller and, and Brock Besser. Bunch of gritty goals at the net front sure like he can he can kind of do it all while also being persistently underrated because people look at him and say yeah not big enough to be a bottom six guy not skilled enough to be a just a good good player who can line up everywhere there's real value there Canucks have a steal an absolute steal it's preposterous that he got to August and that they'll have another year with him at 1.6. Just it's unreal. Fabulous stuff. Um, we talk so much about all the the hit streak they're on with those signings, and man, he is right near the top of the list in terms of no, the value he, they're getting. He's at the top. Um, um him and Susie. Yeah. Um they, Rajit. I do just want to mention, I guess, before we move on. I do think they missed him. Yeah, Susie's good. I think I, I do think they missed it. it was, the 500 streak they were on co- coincided like perfectly with, with his being return. out of the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the rush defense side, like that was the one part where I do think the Canucks got outplayed last night was I thought after the first 10 minutes, the Blues pretty consistently broke the Canucks forecheck and were able to get chances mm-hmm. um, off the rush going the other way. Blues are really good at that. So it, it was kind of strength on... On um, you know, Canucks have been a really good rush defense team for most of the year, but I do think Susie's a really critical part of that. I, I I do think losing him takes something off the table in terms of Vancouver's ability to smother teams, um, uh, you know, with speed off the rush. Broadsheet rumor report here on the whiteboard. Now this was uh, I believe Rick Dollywall reported this yesterday. We didn't have a chance to get into it uh, with him on the crossover, but uh, noting that Quinn Hughes has given his vote of support to management on the idea of acquiring Chris Tanev. Now, whether that would be at the deadline or in the summer when he's a UFA, you know, obviously uh, we don't know, but very interesting and not a surprise at all that uh, Quinn Hughes would support the idea of acquiring Chris Tanev. I know you've talked so much about the weight that Tanev had in that room and the relationships he built with. Obviously, we think of Quinn Hughes first and foremost because he, you know, was his defensive pairing uh, in that rookie year, defensive partner, but it wasn't just a Quinn Hughes thing, right? He was extremely well-liked by other top players in that room as well. And it, you know, the more you hear his name, even though we go through the tiers list of what they need and defense and, you know, the Chris Tanev profile isn't necessarily at the top, when you think of those external factors and the more you hear his name, I start to wonder, does, is he more of a target maybe just because by virtue of that history that he has and that connection and the chemistry 
uh, than than maybe we would think just based looking on the needs of the team. I'm, I'm sure. I, I mean, <laughs> Chris Danov rocks. <laughs> just straight up, like, I think it would be a really cool story if Tanev came back to the Canucks, period. I think every, every organization in the NHL, there are 31 organizations in the NHL that would be better off for Chris Tanev being part of their club. Yeah. In any capacity, by the way. So he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys. No one no one doesn't improve if, if you get Tanev. Um, you know, it, there, there is obviously a, a needs conversation there. I, I don't think an additional defensive defenseman is top five on my, on my list of shopping items. But you know, if you get a chance to add someone of that caliber as mm. a person, yeah, do it's it every a, time. The possibility I'm never, I'm never going to be critical of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I totally know what you mean. And we talked about like, this. What are you like, going to do? Yeah. But we talked about this in the summer too, with guys like Ryan O'Reilly, right? Mm. It's like there, there are some people where if you have a chance to bring them in, bring them in. Cause yeah. they rock. Uh, lineup notes from uh, the Canucks, I believe, I believe, are on the ice at practice right now. So we'll Batch. try to get an update at some point. I haven't seen it. Maybe Batch. last time I last time I called him out, and then you checked, and it was there. But I looked a few minutes ago, and it wasn't there, and it's not there now. So I don't know who's at this practice, but we'll see if we can get you uh, an update. But you know, I, I it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of lineup juggle. You know, obviously the commentary about Elias Pettersson, uh, Nikita Zadorov getting benched in the third. Does that change anything? So those would be some of the questions that I'm looking at, but uh, we will pass that information along at some point in the show. Playoff forecast, Canucks still with a 56% chance to win the Pacific Division. Edmonton at a 32% chance. By the way, what is going on with LA? Blow a two-goal lead to Buffalo last night. Drew Doughty very vocally ticked off, questioning some of the the mentality and the maturity from his teammates. Todd McClellan ticked off. Now they're down to a 5% chance to win the division, projected to finish under 100 points. You know, even their playoff odds are slipping a little bit. Still really, really high. But this is a this has gone from like a, a down stretch to a lengthy, lengthy slide here and a slump for the LA Kings trans. You want me to you want me to say it? What? That I'm not remotely concerned. All right. The 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 commentary is interesting because you can reach a point of no return where you just have to make a change to lighten mm-hmm. the atmosphere around a team. But one thing I don't do when a team remains elite under the hood, but is shooting six percent at five on five and getting nine hundred goaltending, is adjust my opinion of that team. Served me well with the Oilers. <laughs> it served me well over the years. Like 12 games, there's, they're one of the best teams in the league in terms of controlling play consistently, year after year. Uh, well, not year after year, but certainly this year, like consistently, game in, game out. And that's been true over the course of this stretch as well. Their goaltending's fallen off a cliff. Their shooting percentage has fallen off a cliff. It will come back. It will rebound, and so will so will they. The question is, can they rebound before changes are made? Right. Or are they going to end up in that Edmonton doom cycle where you just like you just kind of have to, given the stakes of the season. You have to do something. Yeah, you just have to do something to get a team back on track. Knobloch's, by the way, done an actual good job. But I still think Woodcroft's a good coach, too. Mm-hmm. I think McClellan's a good coach. And yet, the Kings, where, where the Kings are, the commentary coming out of the room, to me anyway, 
they are now approaching that like critical mass where you get into a self-perpetuating and, doom cycle and you, and you just kind of have to rip rip the court just, out. There's just so much evidence in the NHL too that coaching changes work. Even if you're firing a good coach sometimes. Like yeah. go back through NH the last decade plus in the NHL. The new coach bump is a real thing, and it can pay real, real dividends. So um, it's tough, tough place to be in as a coach, but we'll see. Um, an idea for them, by the way. Yeah. Jay Woodcroft. <laughs> Actually, I like that. He's beaten them twice in the playoffs. I like that. You know, like, he's. we've seen him turn a team around. I, I, I'm right. not kidding. We got to take a quick break, but do you have any, uh, any gambling? I just want to bring this up because okay. the line hasn't opened for Canucks Columbus yep. on Saturday, and the futures remain basically static. The Edmonton Oilers tonight are minus 650 favorites over the Anaheim Ducks. Minus 650 in the NHL is unheard of. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. For context, Gonzaga is hosting the San Francisco Gales tonight in Spokane and are minus 500 favorites. Of course, it all comes back to the West Coast the, Conference. Yeah, the WCC. No, I, I was just, I mean, <laughs> like, like Swansea's down 4 nothing in yeah, the yeah, in the yeah, FA yeah, Cup, yeah. and I bet that's like minus 1,000. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a ludicrous. You, you never see anything like that. And, and I'd go further, minus 650 is about an 86% implied probability. There's <laughs> value on the Oilers. <laughs> That's how ridiculous this is. All right, we'll take a break. That's the whiteboard for today. Uh, up next, Vancouver Giants head coach Manny Viveros joins us to talk about the latest with the team. That's coming up next here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650.